on today's episode of Out of Office Bros. D-Train is coming in hot off of a Denver Broncos victory, talking about C-Buffs men's basketball and news and sports from around the leagues. This is Out of Office Bros. Let's hit it. What is up, Ooblers? It is your boy, D-Train, coming all at you with another episode of Out of Office Bros, along with my co-host, Mr. Scotty L. How are we doing today, pal? D-Train, we got a Broncos dub. I played golf today. It's a good Sunday. Yes, it's a good it's a Sunday. Great Sunday, man. I mean, we had talked about this during the preview, but you had said that you were you had you had some golf planned and that you probably weren't going to be watching the Bronco game. But I was representing the out of office bros because I was attending the game. Uh, so I am coming in hot, coming in hot off of a Denver Broncos victory where the Denver Broncos did beat the Green Bay Packers 19 to 17 at mile high. Um, uh, what are what are your initial thoughts? What are your reactions coming from this game? Uh Always happy with a, always happy to get a dub. That said, bummed about our draft position because we <laughs> stayed stagnant. The Chicago Bears won today. I'm sitting there. I see that. That was one of the early games. I'm like, ooh, we're we're starting to trickle on upwards here. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Even when we want to fuck something up, we can't fuck it up properly. But <laughs> hey, we got to win. We got to win. You know what? We got to win. Yeah. Play. Yeah. And that's, you know, we, we've kind of talked about this a few times. Like, you never want to be the fan base that just completely gives up on your team and just wants your team to tank so that you do get better draft position. Um, especially, like, being at the game. It reminded me why this team means so much to these fans and why this city is so invested in the Broncos. Like you just remember because you, you go to the game and you see all these people that are so heavily invested, spend so much time looking at stats, looking at, you know, their fantasy football teams and, and all of these kinds of things. You remember why the Denver Broncos matter when, when you do attend the games. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Hey, you were necessarily excited to go to this game. I don't think no. anyone, really would be but how was the crowd today how was the atmosphere so it was interesting um this game more than any other i think that i've ever been to had the most opposing teams fans mm. there than i've ever been to so we'll talk about this jump ball play in a second but when um when the packers scored that touchdown in the uh in the third quarter the I swear to God, dude, 35,000 people stood up wow. and never they were celebrating. Like, yeah, it was, I, I literally, like I was sitting down obviously, well, cause they were on the other end zone from where I was. So where my seats are in the South stands. Um, so I get to play like Madden mode when I'm watching games, <laughs> but <laughs> the, but they were on the other end zone for that touchdown. And um, so they scored. I see the ref's hands go up for the touchdown. And so I immediately sit down and I look kind of around the stadium and I, and I turn to my wife and I'm like, have you ever seen this before? And granted, she has not been to as many games as I have, but she, she looked at me, she looked at me and she goes, this is insane. Like it, like it was enough people to make a difference in the crowd noise. That's how many Packers fans were there. Wow. That that's surprising. I mean, as you know, I worked over there for three years mm -hmm. and I, I never saw more than maybe 10,000 out of a 70,000 yeah. seat venue that were that, that had opposing fan base. And honestly, that was the Steelers, weirdly enough. Mm -hmm. um, they always traveled really, really well. Credits to yeah, Steelers, Steelers fans, do. but yeah. Um, God, 35? That's that's about 50% of the stadium. It's it's probably a bit of an exaggeration, but it got to be close, man. Like it was it was actually insane how many Packers fans were there. The number of cheeseheads that I saw, the number of uh Aaron Rodgers jerseys, Clay Matthews jerseys, um it was just, it, it was insane. There was a couple, like usually the South stands are the diehards. Like these are people that have had their seats yeah. since the sixties. There was a couple in the row in front of me that had Packers shirts on and which I, and I'd never seen them there before, which means the people that are usually there sold their seats. 
um which is fine i mean if you can't make a game you can't make a game um but i just hope that they that they show up to the games um for the majority of the season uh but i get that you know life happens so you're not able to make a game but yeah dude it was it was shocking to say the least yeah that's really surprising i know the broncos do have a pretty um strict no resale policy in terms Mm -hmm. of you're only allowed to resell x number of games and they Mm -hmm. they track that oh yeah Um, particularly and haven't they gotten so good at knowing like when your ticket gets scanned in they have the cameras there so they can see if it's opposing um fans that are there or not as well i don't know if it's gotten to that level yet i know that that is being developed in the world of ticketing um for for organizations that do care about that i mean Let's be real. There are plenty of organizations out there that don't give a shit um, about, you know, people selling their tickets and flipping their tickets. Um, but, you know, why do you think everything has gone digital now is because organizations like to track that and mm-hmm. they like to track who's reselling their tickets. That's why everything is digital now. Yes, there's the easy aspect from the consumer end. I mean, who doesn't travel without their phone? Um, so, like, there, there's that convenience factor. But as someone who worked in sports ticketing for, you know, 10 years and is still working in kind of that world, it's the digital ticketing happened for a purpose behind every organization. And it's not all about the consumer in that regard. So I'll leave it at that. I can't get too far into the weeds on that, but um, that is really surprising for the Broncos fan base. And I'm curious to see, you know, how much uh, that wait list drops this year. Because there are going to be people that drop their seats. They're not happy with how the crowds or how the organization's moving. There will be people that get their seats taken away if they've been reselling too many games. And, you know, they still had a wait list going into this year. And we'll see what happens with that. Because I wouldn't hate if my name got bumped up on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm on that wait list. I put my name on it when I turned 18, even though my family has season tickets. It, it is my aunt and my uncle. Um, so it, I figured it would always be nice just to have two of my own or four of my mm-hmm. own, you know, just in case if they, for whatever reason, weren't able to um, give me those games. But what's nice is that I kind of do have first dibs because they know I'm a diehard. Um, so my aunt always kind of asks me and my and my mom first, like, hey, what games do you guys want to go to this year? So I do kind of have first dibs in that regard um but i'm still like i checked in uh when i first signed up for the ticketing i think i was like 56 thousandth on the list or something like that when i turned 18 so this is 13 years later and i looked again because you can look at where your place is and i was i'd already moved up i'm like 18 thousandth or something like that so people get called like there's enough that get removed every single year and then you know their name comes up and either people can't afford it or decide that they don't want to buy the tickets so it's an entire possibility for me in my lifetime i think yeah you'll you'll get there Without a doubt. I mean, you could get there as early as next season, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see because I know when those locations come up, you don't necessarily always have your pick. It's like, hey, we have these seats in club level. Do you want them? Yes or no? Yeah. And those are a and lot more expensive. Yeah. Yes. And that's it. So we'll see. But um, diving back into this game, um, little I, I don't want to say a bounce back game for the offense because we still only mustered 19 points. Yeah, but they didn't look as disjointed consistently as they have all season. Um, I I think my favorite play of the game, to be perfectly honest, was that Russ scramble in the fourth yeah. quarter. Yeah, the for twenty one yards. Twenty one yards. Yeah, that looked that. I mean that that won us the game. That mm-hmm. that was literally on the scoring drive that we Will Lutz hit his fourth field goal today and won us the game. So. You know, I, I keep going back and forth on how hard I want to be on Russ and if I want to be nice to Russ. Um, I think this is going to be a nice Russ podcast um, today for me. You know, had a decent game, 20 of 29. That's that's solid. Um, mm-hmm. One touchdown, average 6.7 yards a, a throw. And he had that big run that put us into into field goal range and kept that drive yeah. alive. So, yeah, um, credit to Russ. He, he played well. Cortland Sutton, how are you? Nice to see you this season, bud. Um, Jerry Judy, you still suck ass. I know you had a better game, but get the fuck out of the locker room. Yeah. 
and I, so I got a call from, uh, from my dad on the way, um, back home from the game. And, and he asked the same thing that we've been asking on this podcast for weeks. And it's, why are we abandoning the ground game? Um, Javante Williams, granted he had a long of 21 yards, but 15 carries 82 yards. That's, that's an average just for him of five and a half yards per carry. And we, as a with Jaleel McLaughlin and Samaj P. Ryan, we're averaging over six yards per carry on offense. And that even includes Why? the 11-yard loss and the two-yard loss by uh, Marvin Mims and Michael Burton, respectively. Right. It could have been right. better. It could have been better. It could have been way better. Um yeah, like I, I do not know why we feel like we need to put the ball in Russ's hands on second and four. We when don't. we could when we could easily go and get a first down if we run the ball again. I, I think that and, and here's the other part about that is our offensive line is so much more capable in run blocking versus in pass pro. Mm-hmm. When they're dropping back on the pass pro, I mean, you saw it with that with that sack that Russ took on our final offensive possession. It's like the pocket just collapsed on him before the yeah. routes could even develop. He didn't really even have much of a chance. And we were lucky that he got back to the line of scrimmage on that. But it seems like in the run game, I don't, I don't know what it is, but we just, our offensive linemen prefer that and they play better in that regard. I, I don't know why we're going away from it. You play to your strengths here. Like, it's something that's so simple that I just don't understand why Sean Payton refuses to just consistently pound the ball. If you have to do it and that's what gets you wins, you do it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I that's mean, it's, it's, it's so like it, it's so elementary is the word that I'm looking for here where it, the, the basics of football should win you the game. And that's by controlling the clock having a strong running game and throwing the ball when you need to, but instead we're throwing the ball when we don't need to. Right. I mean, it's about, you know, that old school football of establish the run that sets up the pass. And then you, then that opens up your playbook. We haven't done that. Well, we've established a run, but then we just are so quick to abandon it. And (laughs) I don't have a lot of faith in this coaching staff right now for that regard. Because when something's working and you go away from it, I, I, I it's like you're trying to lose yeah. at that point versus yeah. you're going out and doing what it takes to win. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I'm, I'm happy with this performance. BJ, once again, his defense stepped up 17 points again. Yeah. Like yeah. under 20, I mean, that's against, a couple games in a row. But again, and it's it's against a subpar offense. Like this definitely wasn't as heroic of an effort by the defense as the Chiefs game was. Um, but again, you held a team under 20 points. If your, your offense should score at least 20, 19 was able to do it today. Um, but something that something that was interesting about this game is that from the stands – I didn't feel like we were that in control of the game, but again, talking to my dad, he, from watching it on the TV, he said that it felt like the Broncos were in control, especially in the first half. And then through most of the game in the second half, but, and that, that could just be my perspective, but I still feel that they're there, that the offense and led up enough or sorry, the defense let up enough that it still made the end of the game stressful when the Packers could have gone down, kicked a field goal, and won this game twenty to nineteen. the The big uh, hold the the reason that we won this game was there was a big holding call on uh, Eldon Jenkins that pushed the uh, the Packers back onto a second and twenty because they rushed for zero yards on first down. Got the holding call, moved it to second and 20, incomplete pass, third and 20, and then they tried to go long, and P.J. Locke came in and had a I mean, huge interception uh, yep. for stepping in for Kareem Jackson, which we'll get into that in just a second. Um, but there, there was ample time for the Green Bay Packers to go down there and score, and those are the kinds of games that I don't like to see out of our defense. Yeah, I, I personally didn't feel like we were in control of this game. Um, Part of that is 
we were settling for three versus getting set, getting six or seven. Mm -hmm. And that just always makes me very uneasy because we've, we've seen that happen before. Right. And I, I never, I, I had that similar feeling when the Packers got the ball back. I was, I looked at the clock and it was like, what, two and a half minutes, two yeah. minutes, something like that. And I was sitting there like, Ooh, that's, that's a, a too lot much time. of time. Yeah. That's a lot of time in the NFL. And they had, had, a, and they had two, time they had two timeouts. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that holding call was huge for us because on that play, they did rush for six yards. So they were only like two yards to field goal. Yeah. And that I, I personally didn't feel as though we were in control of this game. I think that it was more of a dogfight than it needed to be. Mm -hmm. Given the quality of the Packers. I mean, they're not trotting out 12 anymore. They got Jordan Love. And it, it just never felt like we really took over and dominated this game outside of the run game. I mean, like you said, Javante had 82 yards. Jaleel McLaughlin had 45 on five carries, averaging nine yards a carry. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't feel as though our – I had confidence in the defense, but not so much that it was like, oh, we're going we're gonna to stop them. We're going to get this win. Right. Um, huge pick by Locke, but – at the end of the day, that was a – I view that as also a bonehead throw by Jordan Love. Yeah, double um, coverage. It was ugly. You, you don't yeah, want to put like, the ball there. What are you doing, man? You just need to get get to field goal range. What are you doing? So I'll, I'll take that all day. They don't ask how. They ask how many when it comes to wins, especially in this league. So it is what it is, and we got the win. Um, we'll, we'll get into news around the NFL later in this pod but and scores around this week. But – uh. Yeah. Win ugly. Win doesn't ugly. matter. Just win. Yeah. Just win. Yeah. Uh, there were two things that happened to this game that remind me that you learn something in the NFL each and every single year, uh, either because of rule changes or the way that uh, that referees interpret things. And uh, we'll start with the the jump ball play. I'll call it I'll call it the jump ball play where. Uh, the receiver for the Green Bay Packers, uh, me. Uh, uh, yeah, Romeo Dobbs, uh, dove into the end zone and caught the ball the same time that Pat Sertan the second did, and kind of wrestled it away from Sertan before they both landed on the ground in the end zone. But there's some disagreement on who should who should have been awarded the catch on that play. And uh, per Gene Steratore, who is the uh, CBS broadcast, was a longtime NFL ref, said that in his opinion, so it, what I always thought was is that if it's a tie ball like that, is that the ball always goes to the receiver or the, um, you know, offense, offense gets possession in that sort of scenario. But the way that the rule is interpreted is, is that it is the person who gets two feet down when, when the play ends Interesting. or before the play ends. So in Gene Steratore's opinion, he said that Pastor Tan had possession of the ball with two feet down before Romeo Dobbs did, and that it should have been an interception and not a Green Bay touchdown because his two feet were down. That's interesting. I mean, uh, every week, every year, I'm I'm starting to question if I know what a damn catch is in the NFL. Seriously, seriously, because there's so there's so many interpretations of how you can look at each individual catch, especially ones that are in the end zone. Um, and like I've rewatched the play now twice, and I get. I get the live call because in my what I have always been told is, is that the tie ball goes to the receiver. Yeah. But when you look at the interpretation of the rule that says that it's whomever has their two feet down first, that's an interception. Dude. Which well, uh, which would mean that this game shouldn't have been as close as it actually was. Yeah, that puts it nineteen ten and like just living in that world where that goes off the board everything else stays the same that puts it at nineteen ten. that is a little frustrating i mean i just i don't know man like it, it's 
because I I always grew up thinking like, hey, yeah, it the tie ball, the jump ball always goes to the receiver. Mm-hmm. Like that was the ruling I thought was always the case. And then today that all gets blown into question. And it's like, okay, which way's up? Is the sky really blue? What what the fuck is going on? Like, what's what is a catch? And that's what drives me nuts about the NFL, man. Is it feels like there's no clarity on what on the simplest fucking thing, which is what is a catch? Mm-hmm. Like. I, I don't get it. Um, either way, um, I'm glad that we don't really have to talk too much about this because if, if, it, if it had if it had been the difference in the ball game, yes. then then we I feel like we could elaborate about it a little bit more. But you would be diving in heavy on that. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it it didn't. Yes, the Packers scored you know an additional seven points, but the Broncos still came up with a victory. So whatever. On to the second thing that I wanted to talk about in this game, uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, the just I mean, despite the fact that the defense was pretty dominant the first three and a half quarters, they started showing those cracks uh, in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. And Kareem Jackson likely earned himself another fine with what they called a defenseless hit on a receiver, which was, I guess, egregious enough for him to be ejected from the game. But again, like interpretations of this rule, I'm watching it. I'm watching it on X again right now. The receiver for the Packers, uh, I believe it's Luke Musgrave. Sorry, his jersey's backwards, but I believe that's who it is, is already falling when this, when Kareem Jackson comes up and hits him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm watching it back right now too. It and looks like Kareem Jackson is going straight for the ball and Musgrave falls into a helmet to helmet sort of hit. Yeah. I I I don't really know what Kareem's supposed to do in that situation. No. Like the, should he let up a little bit more? Maybe, but even then, what's he supposed to do? Because, okay, say he lets up. That's, that could be six. Right. Like, I, I mean, are we, I, I don't understand what better he's supposed to do in that situation. Because, yes, we want to remove head-to-head contact. We want to remove those kind of hits, without yes. a doubt. But in this situation, it's one of those where it's like, I mean, what what does he do like to he avoid would, that? And and do you think it's because of the reputation that he does have as a as a spearhead type of safety? Like, do you think if it was if it had been Justin Simmons in that exact same scenario, do you think that he gets the ejection? I maybe maybe I I just don't know because like I said, the, everything's weird with the NFL now, where it's like. What are we doing when it comes to, you know, A, let's not sit here and act like player safety is really a concern for the NFL. It's not. It's not. They don't care as long as these guys are going and playing. But these guys were taught to tackle and finish through the whistle and and play until the whistle. And, like, yeah, he's falling down as he makes the catch. And Kareem is already engaged in that tackling motion. Yeah. Like it's not like he he was TJ Ward back in the day. It was lining <laughs> it up, right? Or John Lynch or Steve Atwater or any of that. Like he was just making a, a football play and trying to take him down. It, if the receiver's not falling at that point, it's probably a hit to the hip and it's fine. Right. Like we're not we're not talking about it at all. Yeah. But then it's the fact of okay, well, contact was made with the head. Granted, he did lead with his head. Maybe that's the one argument I can see because they're they're going more towards the shoulder. Okay, fine. If we want to call it that, fine. But I just don't fully understand what he, what else he's supposed to do in that situation other than, I don't know, if he completely lets off the gas, lets, him, lets the Packers player come down with it and hope he falls on his ass and then he can touch him. But... I, I don't know, man. Yeah. Well, and and the thing about this one was is that this did impact the game. 
yes. Kareem, Kareem Jackson. Yeah, in a big way. I mean, it one catapulted the Packers offense to a scoring drive where they converted on that fourth down touchdown that was tipped at the line of scrimmage and or it tipped in the in the end zone and then still wound up in the hands of one of the Green Bay receivers to put them up 17 to 16 or it tied at 16 to 16 and they got the extra point. But like that had a big impact on the game because obviously it's a 15 yard penalty and they were already near our 50. So it, it that kept their drive going and some. Um, and then the, the Broncos might be the worst luck in all of football right now with that tip touchdown pass. I mean, like it was just, I, I lost my voice for a little bit there and then I stopped talking because I was screaming so loud at these referees because that kind of hit and that kind of call, the, the hit has to be so egregious to eject somebody and I personally didn't feel that it was enough to to send somebody out of the game. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think that's a conversation for football as a whole, right? Is should there be levels of targeting? Like in the NBA, there are levels of flagrant on a foul where, you know, one results in an ejection if it's deemed egregious, the other results in, you know, free throws and a, and possession back to the team that got the flag or that had the flagrant done against them. You know, I think that's something we should look at in football and take more seriously is those levels of targeting, because right now it's kind of a carte blanche, right? Like Uh if someone deems it targeting, then they're out. And if it's not deemed targeting, then it's just, you know, a 15 yard penalty, but there should be different levels of targeting and (sighs) maybe make it almost like soccer where it's like a yellow flag, red flag sort of thing. Yeah, like there, something's got to change. I mean, every other sport except for baseball, because baseball is soft, has different degrees of these infractions. Mm-hmm. Whether that's hockey, you've got the minor penalties and a major penalty. In basketball, you got flagrant one versus flagrant two. You know, in soccer, you got yellow card and red card. Like, why are we not doing something similar in the NFL? Mm-hmm. I, I don't get it. I can't comprehend it. And, um, thankfully it didn't come back to bite us. So I'm just going to keep going back to that. I'm feeling, yeah. I'm feeling a little positive today. We got to win. I know, I know, I know, I know. We're talking, we're talking about the negatives and I know I shouldn't do that, but at like, it's just still, I feel like that those, that those two plays, like I said, you just, you learn something, uh, every day when you're yes. watching the NFL, because it's, it's, it's the way that the rules are interpreted at the end of the day. Yeah. It's kind of like the Supreme court, like, it's just open up their interpretation. Like they, they get to interpret the constitution. Apparently the NFL officials get to interpret the rule book. So there we are. Yeah. Hot take from Scotty L, but uh, all right. But yeah, we do take on the Kansas city chiefs again at home. Uh, Broncos get their first dub at home this year. Um, so right in, uh, riding into a little bit of a high to take on the Kansas city chiefs next week. And we did hang tight with them at, in the kingdom just a week and a half ago. So you know, Speaking of the Chiefs, have you seen like the absurd stat about Travis Kelsey? Yeah, let's. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. So prior to him dating Taylor Swift, pre Taylor Swift, PTS, <laughs> he was averaging like sixty four point five yards receiving per game. In the Taylor Swift era, see what I did there? Era store era. Ah, Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, boom, fancy boy, connecting the dots. I feel like Charlie Day and It's Always Sunny, like with all the little strings going around here. But in his current era of dating Taylor Swift, he's averaging 99 receiving yards a game. And that's going to go up because I don't think that even factored in where he's at with today's record. He had 176 uh, yards today. Yeah, which a closet Chiefs fan, Batemo, decided to text our entire fantasy football group about. Thanks, Batemo. Well... He does have that person on his team. Yeah, and who's he playing this week? Is it you? Fuck you, Bama. It is me. <laughs> Always good to throw one of those out there per episode. It, it feels good. That's therapeutic for us. But, yeah, um, yeah. so weird stat about the Chiefs. Um, so if uh, Taylor's in attendance at Mile High next week, um, let's just go on ahead and bracket Kelsey. Actually, we should just do that anyway. Let's just bracket Kelsey no matter what. 
yeah, deal. I mean, we'll, as get, long, we'll like, get into that preview. I feel, yeah, I feel like if we shut him down, then we have a good chance of shutting down that entire offense. But we, yeah, we have a whole week where we can dive into that preview next episode. So, um, yes, all right, man. Well, something that we wanted to talk about today was a little bit of a preview on uh, Tad Boyle and CU men's basketball. Um, so I, so all the shine has been on Coach Prime this year, but would you say that? CU basketball is closer to a national champion or at least national championship contention than the football team is. Yes. At this moment in time. Yes. Yeah. And that, that comes from Greeley legend, Tad Boyle. Yeah. What, I what mean, a guy. What a guy. Yeah. I just feel that there, that these are two different styles of coaching where Deion Sanders is uh, is celebrity. He's too cool for school. He, uh, he, he's bringing his bags and they're Louie. Whereas with Coach Prime, he, or sorry, with, uh, with Deion Sanders, or sorry, God bless it. With Tad Coach Boyle, Boyle, yeah, with Coach Boyle, he is still a little bit of the old guard and mm-hmm. isn't... Uh, trying to take on that baggage you know in a way that Deion Sanders was saying that it was like he's not he's not bringing bags and they're not Louie he he's just a little bit of that old school um content uh and then yeah I mean he the run that he's had here at the University of Colorado it has been successful where he does at least leading up into this season have a top 20 hoops program yeah, I mean, you know, Coach Boyle, he is the epitome of consistency. You know what you're going to get out of him. Um, he's entering his 13th year as the head coach at the University of Colorado, which, sorry, D-Train, I know that's going to make you feel old. Um, makes me feel plenty old, too. <laughs> but um, in that time, he's 254 and 155 for a winning percentage of 62%. That's pretty fucking good, especially for the University of Colorado. and. Let's not get confused here. Tad's got some Louie. Tad has his Louie. He's got, <laughs> you know, KJ Simpson starting at guard this year. Um, he's returning for his junior year. He was a four-star guard originally out of California. Um, this kid is a dog, man. He He's just kind of in that McKinley right, the fourth mold of like, I'm going to take over this game. I am going to go win this. And you are going to have to stop me. And he plays aggressive. He's not afraid even at, you know, he, he's not a little guard like McKinley was. McKinley was listed at six foot. He was realistically probably about 5'10", five, 5'9". Five, um, KJ is 6'2". He's probably around 6'1". He's, he's around my height. Um, you know, he's not the biggest guy, but he's not little. And he still crashes for boards. He's getting rebounds. You've got Tristan De Silva man coming back um that is a huge that was probably tad's biggest win of the off season and that includes getting the number one recruit in cody williams was keeping his star forward tristan da silva on this roster the kid's a senior supposedly there was a tweet that i saw that came out last week um from the cbs4 news guy here eric christensen big buff guy but supposedly the duke blue devils came calling on tristan da silva this summer and we're supposedly offering a bag for him to transfer to Duke. Um, this kid really? came back. He's, that is the rumor. That is the word on the street. I can uh, I can hit my people with CU basketball and see if there's any legs to that. Um, but either way, De Silva's rocking the black and gold this year. He comes back. He's a senior. He's one of the top power forwards, according to the draft analysts. For this year now basketball is weird because he is a senior he'll probably drop to the second round maybe late first um if he has a really big year i could see him playing his way into the middle of the first round he he can play and he's an impact player he is going to be our go-to guy this year um recently the colorado buffaloes played a secret scrimmage not so secret when everyone knows about it <laughs> but they played a secret scrimmage against the University of Texas, the Longhorns, projected, you know, to be the 18th best team in the country by 
basically the equivalent of the football power index. I, I think would be the best way to relate it for our listeners. We won is what is being reported 87 to 78. KJ Simpson, listen to the stat line, 21 points, six rebounds, six assists. That's your starting guard right there. That's a really good stat line for your starting guard, especially what I love. And I know what Tad loves is that six rebounds. He loves when his guards get involved in rebounding. Uh, Javon Hadley coming off of a pretty serious knee situation. Uh, he had 20 points and 12 rebounds, a nice little double-double. Tristan De Silva, 18 points. And then star freshman Cody Williams coming in with 8.7 boards and three assists. He's going to be kind of playing that point forward role that we see like, this kid ain't LeBron. I'm going to forewarn everyone of this before I make this comparison. That is kind of the role that LeBron plays is that point forward where he is a primary ball handler, but he also plays, you know, the three or the four. Um, that's going to be kind of where you see Cody falling in to this roster this year. And I'm going to just, I, I also want to give everyone some breather. He's not Travis Hunter. He is not the basketball version of Travis Hunter. Travis is a once in a generation talent. This kid, he has a very, very high ceiling. Cody has an incredibly high ceiling. We're talking first overall pick in the NBA draft high. That's, yeah. that's how good his, his tool set is. That being said, he is not going to be that guy this year. He's not. He, it was a weaker recruiting class, admittedly, this year. And Cody still has some stuff to develop. That's the other weird part about NBA and NCAA basketball is these guys get drafted more so based on potential versus what they actually are right now. We get so stuck in that with football where it's like, oh, you know, Joe Burrow, he is an elite quarterback right now. Mm -hmm. We're going to draft him for that. The NBA, it's more, this guy could be elite in two years, three years. Let's, let's give him time. Let's get him in our weight room. Let's go. That's also the difference between drafting an 18-year-old versus a you know grown man at 21 or 22 that's been in that kind of system. But Cody's going to be someone to watch this year. Um, this is arguably Boyle's deepest squad in his entire career. And I say that because he had the most highly regarded recruiting class in his entire career coming out of coming into this year. I believe they finished somewhere in like the top, they were in the top 10 or 15 of the nation for recruiting. Wow. That's huge for Tad. Cause Tad mm -hmm. made his career thus far, finding these diamonds in the rough kids. And that's where he's starting to excel is this recruiting is picking up for him. We've seen it now for three straight classes, top 25 classes. These kids are not one and done. Tad does not recruit one and done kids. That's against everything he believes in as a person. Yeah. So he he brings these guys in that have the tools, have a really good skill set, and will take a little time to develop. But we're well, already off to a hot start for next year, too, for recruiting. We're currently 11th in the nation for recruiting for 24. Yeah, just signed a big four-star recruit. Um, can't remember the kid's name. Raznick. Uh, yeah, that's Raznick. right. Yeah, yeah. Everybody and then we have two other four stars committed right now. Yeah. So Boyle's got three four stars for the class of 24 committed. Uh, that's huge for the University of Colorado. So, you know, like you said earlier, he's not as loud and boisterous as Coach Prime. He's got some Louie, though. Yeah. He, he's got some Louie on this roster. It will, and he's even said it himself where he would rather bring a kid in as a freshman and teach him teach him his system, teach him teach him the way that he likes basketball to be played, and then you can still have success. Um, as opposed to like with these NIL deals, um, it's a little bit different in that I feel like there's you know quite a bit more money able to be thrown around for football than there is for basketball. Um, but he would rather bring somebody young in than uh, uh than a transfer um and 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 that's he's had more success you know he's been here for 13 seasons we've made the ncaa championship five times and then three nit appearances as well so i mean t whatever tad's doing it's working and and it's yeah. been it's been a lot of 24 win seasons plus um which is which is you know in in the basketball landscape that is great success as, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, boil ball works. And yeah. for those of you that are maybe newer Buff fans or tuning in for us to 
hear about Coach Prime, you know we're we're a Buffs podcast. We love our Colorado Buffaloes, all sports. And um, welcome to the world of boil ball. If you stick with us through basketball season, it is fundamental defense. It is moving the ball around on offense. You're not going to see a lot of ISO plays. Um, and then it's being really good and dominating on the boards. Yeah. Boyle loves when a team rebounds. That is his biggest thing. He always points to that on the stat sheet. That is always one of his keys to the game. As someone who was uh, relatively close to that program during my time in college, Boyle loves a good rebounding team. He believes mm-hmm. in the fundamentals of basketball. There's a reason why he has been the coach for Team USA and has been on that staff for the U.S. Junior Olympics and the U.S. Junior team for many years now. Um, it's because he he believes in those fundamentals, and at the end of the day, USA basketball really appreciates that and really loves that. So they give Boyle that honor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're we're really lucky to have Tad at the University of Colorado. It um, happened since 2010. Yeah. He, other programs have come calling when the job is, when their jobs have opened up. And we're talking some blue bloods were in there. We're talking some big 12 schools that were willing to throw some serious money at him were in there. Tad Boyle wants to be at Colorado. And we need to be extremely thankful for that because he is a great coach. He, yeah. he really is. And he's done historically with this program. He has done more with less versus less with more, which we see on a lot of different areas in, in the sports world. So um, I'm really excited for the Buffs this year. I think we are a tournament team. I think that the ceiling for this team would be, and we're talking a lot goes right, a lot of good breaks along the way in matchups when we get into March. Um, I think the ceiling for this team would be maybe Elite Eight. There, there is that level of talent on this roster and a level of maturity on this roster. Um, I think that the floor for this team honestly needs to be at, at the absolute worst an NIT championship. Yeah. Um, I, I think that like you are, said, that's at the worst. Yes. I think that we are gunning for a bye week in the Pac-12 championship in Vegas this year, which is the top four seeds in the pack. Um, pack is an unbelievable basketball conference for those that haven't maybe tuned into the Pac-12 that much during basketball season. It is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Pac-12 basketball is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the Buffs get a, a top four seed, that'd be monstrous. I think that needs to be the goal. And then make the tournament, make some noise. Let, let's go Sweet 16 this year. I, I think that is a reasonable enough expectation or goal that the Buffs – the Buffs men's team should be able to get to the Sweet 16. We just saw the ladies do it last year. Shout out J.R. Payne. She's got a great squad returning this year. Um, I'm expecting them to make some noise again this year. But, man, what a, what a, what an era for the Colorado Buffaloes. Yeah. We got Coach Prime. We, we might get to a bowl. It's still not out of the realm of possibility. I'm talking myself off that cliff more and more each day um, <laughs> that we will get to six. We will get to six. And then – we have two really, really outstanding basketball programs right now. Yeah. I mean, for, for our standards, we're not, we're not Kentucky. We're not Duke. We're not Louisville. We're not UCLA. Let's, let's not sit here and say it's championship or bus, but for us, this is an outstanding basketball program. And I'm, I'm excited for this tip off. I'm excited yeah. for this season to get rocking. Cause who knows if the buffs break my heart on the football field more this year. Um, so I'm going to need some boil ball to bring me, Bring me some comfort. Those warm yeah. fuzzies of just good defense and rebounding. And it, and it definitely will the early part of the season. I mean, if we don't go three and zero, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty sad. Um, but tech. So I I think I said that we were uh, ranked in the top or that we were twenty second, but I'm mistaken. Uh, we're technically we're receiving votes to be in the top twenty five. Uh, so we're te- we're twenty seventh, uh, just behind Wisconsin. We are getting forty nine votes to be ranked. Um, so that would put us at 27th and those, I mean, Wisconsin's a great basketball school. And then you look at the ones at the top that are right above us. You've got, uh, university of Illinois, Alabama, St. Mary's Villanova, um, and then PAC 12, um, conference foe in USC, uh, rounding out the, um, top 20 there or sorry, 20 to 25, I should say. Um, so, you know, 
see you Buffs men's basketball should be a lot of fun to watch. Make sure that you tune in there. Um, yeah, realistically, I'm looking at our non-con schedule right now. Um, I, I think we, I, I would be disappointed if we came out of it with more than two losses. That That's how, A, the schedule is setting up for us. You know, it's Towson, Grambling State, Milwaukee, all at home. Then we go to Daytona Beach, Florida um, for a tournament down there, and we open up with Richmond. And then we would play the winner of Florida State versus UNLV. If it's Florida State, I could see maybe a loss. Um, then we come back home, we play Iona. Then this one's fun. November 29th. Maybe this is an Ubler outing here uh, at Colorado State University. Up in, in Fort Collins, in enemy territory. That could be fun. Up at Obi um, Arena. That's a nine o'clock tip too. So seven p.m. our time. Yes, we should. Uh, we should maybe look at that. But then home against Pepperdine. Then we go out to Brooklyn and we are playing uh, the U, University of Miami. So good basketball program. Um, but I, I think, like I said, if we get out of this with two losses and those being like you know Florida State and Miami. I'm I'm in a really comfortable position going into conference play where we open with the Washington schools, which we should win. Yeah. So Boyle Ball is returning um, here on November 6th. They have a scrimmage on October 28th or an exhibition game in Boulder at the CU Event Center. If you guys do have interest, um, feel free to go out and support. They are playing uh, your brother's alma mater for their exhibition game. Metro State Roadrunners, pretty sure. solid uh, D2 program. Yeah. How about those Roadrunners? We don't we don't They're, talk a lot about the Roadrunners. Then basketball, baseball, they've got some good programs at the D2 level up down in Denver, man. Yeah, they, they really do. I feel bad. I feel like I cuz I'm a quick walk to that campus. Maybe you I should, should go. Support. I was going to say you should you should go support. You should just walk down there and I can guarantee the tickets are going to be cheaper than they would be in Boulder. So you could probably get tickets, especially for a basketball game maybe for like 15-16 bucks, something like that. Well, that's more expensive than a Rockies game. <laughs> but I, I refuse to support the Rockies. I am not Look, Ethan. Boycott opening day. Boycott opening day. Let's bring that. Let's. We're gonna hammer that into the Ublers fan base. Yes. You will not go to opening day. You can come down to Denver, hang out. Do not go to opening day. Um. So let's. Uh. Yeah. Support both men's and women's basketball. It's gonna be an awesome year for them. Really excited to see both teams take the court. But uh, you want to catch up on some news and notes around both NCAA football and NFL real quick? Let's so dive into it. an interesting weekend for both. Yes. Um, so let's start on Saturday. The kind of Let's go chronological with this. So interesting Saturday slate. Um, there were some incredible games that were taking place. I want to lead us off with our favorite team outside of the Colorado Buffaloes. They're based in the state of Colorado. The Air Force Academy Falcons, your 22nd yeah. ranked Air Force Academy Falcons. They rolled into Annapolis, Maryland and beat the Naval Academy, beat Navy. That is the first leg of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy. The second leg is coming down the pike, and that will be taking place here at Mile High in Denver, Colorado against Army. So I want to say something about this game uh, to relate it back to the Colorado Buffaloes here for a second. So I Please. watched I watched into the third quarter of the Air Force Navy game, and then I was kind of like, Air Force has this handled. I, I can walk away and I'll be fine. I had some stuff to do. Um, something that surprised me about their game then and then the game uh, against Wyoming is, which was the game before, is that the entire time, the entire game they played the University of Wyoming, the Air Force Falcons had one penalty. And then against Navy, they had a total of five penalties. Colorado versus Stanford alone had 17 penalties. Clean games equal victories. Yes. Well, I mean, is there going to be a more disciplined team in the country? than the Air Force Academy or Naval or Army. Probably not. No, but you're, you're absolutely right. And God, man, I, I just, I sit there and I watch this Air Force defense. Oh, and I fall more and more in love with it every freaking week. They, they had allowed 11 yards of total offense to the Navy midshipmen, midshipmen, excuse me. 
in the first half. <laughs> it's insane. I mean, God, Air Force just they're they're such a different animal, and this is why I don't want to play them as a buff fan. Uh uh-uh. uh. Because they're just so hard to prep for, and they're so disciplined and so sound in their approach and how they go about their business that it just is not fun to play against. And it's not fun unless you're a sicko like us to watch. <laughs> like, honestly, Air Force games are not fun to watch if you're not like, if you're not about high, yeah, if you're not about high scoring, throwing the ball all over the field. But if you are yeah. a s- absolute sicko like D train is, you want to watch the run. You love some Air Force, <laughs> you love some Air Force Falcons football, baby. Um, also, I love the gamesmanship that came out of Troy Calhoun, the military strategy. He said earlier in the week that his starting quarterback was going to be out for the game. Guess who trots out first out of the tunnel? The start. Like, unbelievable <laughs> gamesmanship, unbelievable military strategy. Let's just leave it at that. But um, shout out to the Falcons. They have a little interstate rivalry next week. Yeah, I'm they not do. mistaken. They, they play do. the Colorado State Rams. Diving into the Rams real quick. Um, they fucked my parlay. Thank you, Colorado State, for being a somewhat competent football team for once. I had UNLV minus seven in, uh, for that game. That was the one leg of my parlay that didn't hit. That was a 13-leg parlay. Cashed on 12. Did not hit the 13th. Thanks, Rams. Um, they ended up losing on a last-second field goal to the UNLV running Rebels. Um, Colorado State has fallen yet again in the Mountain West. Not surprising. We called that this game was going to be a loss. We'll move on. Um, looking at some other big games around the around the country this week, uh, we had Michigan, the number two Michigan Wolverines, facing their little brother, their version of Colorado State, the Michigan State Spartans, mm. and the Fighting Mel Tuggers. Uh, oh. Mel Tugger once again abandoned his team in order to. Uh, um, you know what? I don't even want to say it on this pod. Yeah, go look it knows. up. It's, yeah, everybody it's a knows. Let's story. Just, yeah, let's just if you don't know, over just that. go look. Uh, <laughs> but Michigan, Michigan absolutely dominated them, forty-nine nothing. Uh, pulled the starters at halftime and still managed to put up twenty-one more points on the board. Um, Sparty is an absolute train wreck right now. I, I'm not going to sit here and feel bad for them at all. So. And how could you, especially after what Mel Tucker did at the University of Colorado, man, like, well, did you see what came out of Michigan state this weekend? Mm -hmm. You, you, the big controversy. You see. So for those of you that did not see this, uh, Michigan state on their jumbotron was doing trivia. And in the most, I, I don't even know what to call it lack of awareness for the world and current events decided to, and we're not going to get political with this, but they decided to put up a trivia question of what country was Hitler born in with a picture of Adolf Hitler on the Jumbotron. Yikes. I can't believe how tone deaf that is uh, given the current world situation that is going on. And, uh, yeah, that athletics department is in complete shambles across the board. Um, talk about burning something down. Michigan State probably should be it. I mean, how many years in a row is this? They had Larry Nasser. They had numerous issues. So, good job, Sparty. Um, another big game in the Big Ten, Ohio State-Penn State. Uh, kind of a slugfest. It was really kind of a boring game to watch, honestly. It was two very mid-quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, and you you had said that Penn State would win this game, and I thought it they looked would. that way. It looked that way for a little while, to be honest. Yeah, their defense looked up to the task of Ohio State and um, James Franklin. James Franklin, he uh, he has never won a game against a top fifteen or top ten opponent in his time at Penn State. Wish I had known that stat uh, going into that last pod, but. Um, he continued that streak, and the Buckeyes won twenty to twelve. And I think the lat there are really only two other games I want to talk about. If you will do me the honor, uh, three, oh, three. Please Sorry. talk. Please, please talk about USC. Please talk about USC. Oh, I, that's that's what I'm finalizing with. <laughs> I, I have to. I have to go into that one. Um, another great top twenty-five battle that we had talked about on the last pod: Florida State versus Duke. 
Um, that was a hell of a game for the first half, first three quarters, really. Um, Florida State ended up coming out victorious, 38-20, to 20, with a 21-point explosion in the mm-hmm. fourth quarter. Um, Buffs fans, we should not feel bad about that Arizona State game being as close as it was. If you were paying attention to Pac-12 football on this bye week, you would know that they just took the Washington Huskies to the wire in Seattle, where the Huskies barely clawed out a 15-7 to win. Yeah. So the Arizona State Sun Devils um, put up a really, really good fight. I Like we've said, man, we like Kenny Dillingham. We like what he's doing. Love Dilly. Love Dilly. Would have loved him to be ROC. Um, but I'm not mad at Sean Lewis, so we're good there. Um, Stanford did not continue the comeback uh, train that they were on against us. They lost 42-7 to against UCLA, our next opponent. We'll get into that preview later this week. And let's dive in. Go Utes. The Utah Utes on the back of a walk-on quarterback. Their third or fourth stringer, I forget what, but it does not matter. They go and beat the USC Trojans and Caleb Williams for the third year in a row. Go Utes. train can we get your thoughts? Dude, I love watching the USC Trojans lose football games. Um, this team gets hyped up every single year leading into the college football season. They talk about Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley like they are the second fucking coming, dude. And the fact that the Utah Jazz were the third string or fourth string quarterback, we are not quite sure. Beat them? Dude. I love it so much. I am such a Utah fan after that win. If they they had just stayed healthy, I feel like we would have a Pac-12 team in the college football playoff rankings right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the bummer is Cam Rising. Yes. Um, you know, man, Utah has just been quietly so good for so long. And that that's a credit to Kyle Whittingham. Yeah. He is an incredible coach. He is easily a top five coach in the NCAA for football. I agree. Easily. Yeah. Um, I mean, he is taking it to the Trojans every year. In the Pac-12, really. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, granted, this is the last year that they'll probably play, but like every single year, Utah gave USC fits and USC would come out in very close games. But then the past three years in a row, Utah has come out on top against the Trojans and you love and to I, see it. Yeah. I love, you it. love Utah to plays see such it. a great, they play such a great brand of football, man. They're, they're strong in the trenches. They're tough in the trenches. They're a hard-nosed run first kind of team. And they put points on the board too. I mean, they they won thirty four to thirty two on the leg of former Colorado Buffalo Cole Becker. Yeah, um, shout out to Cole Becker. I understand why you transferred. Wish you hadn't, but I get it. You know, the Utes they're they're a one loss team right now, and that loss was to um, Oregon State, who is not a slouch of a team. I mean, they're ranked twelfth. Utah's thirteenth. Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens um, with the rest of the youth season because realistically, they they could run the table. They yeah. could, and if they win the Pac-12 championship against either Oregon or Washington is who I'm going to assume it'll be in the Pac-12 championship against them. Man, that uh, I feel like that's hard to keep out of the CFP again. You would think so. You would think so. Like, but these, but so, but there is so much bias that goes on. There, there but, are teams that are people's favorites that somehow get more votes than deserve to be there. Yeah, I mean, I I don't get it because you've got, you know, Ohio State's gonna still has to play Michigan, yeah, and they're going to get shit kicked by Michigan. Oh, I think dude, Michigan, Georgia, and Michigan, Georgia and Michigan are in classes of their own right now. Yes. Yes. So Ohio State's going to get shit kicked by them. That, in my eyes, drops them out of the out of the playoff. Mm-hmm. Um, George, so you got Georgia-Michigan, 1-2. Two. 
period. That That is it. We'll see how much that Brock Bowers injury, the big tight end out of Georgia, who's their an unbelievable weapon. We'll see how much that affects them moving forward, but I still think that's one and two. Um, Florida State's putting together a nice year as long as they don't go out and do what Florida State always has and lose a game they shouldn't, which could have been Duke this week. Um, they're probably the third slot. And then, I mean, Oklahoma struggled mightily against a really bad University of Central Florida team. Um, so I don't think they really deserve it. Texas lost to Oklahoma pretty handily, so they're out. Sorry, Shalom. Um, Alabama's not Bama this year. I, and then I it's, it's, it's got to go to Utah or Washington, it, right? And then it, yeah, and then it's – yeah, it, yeah. Like, it, the, the those Huskies, two teams are I mean, the, the Huskies, to me, are obvi- an obvious choice because they haven't lost a game yet. They've had some close yeah. calls, They, but, I mean, they topped Oregon. Oregon yeah, – they made Oregon. The first, Oregon made the first two college football playoffs. Yeah. I, I think you got to give the Pac-12 some love here because it's not an easy conference this year. It's not a bunch of mid-level teams no. battling it out. I mean, we had the most teams ranked of any conference for a good bit where we had seven out of the 12 yeah. ranked. Like, the Pac-12 is not the slouch it used to be, and USC is kind of fucking everything for everybody here. But if you get a undefeated Washington or a one-loss Utah, you got to give them a look if you're the committee. I think got so, to. too. You got to. Um, yeah. So those were the big college football games. Real quick, uh, NFL's not hasn't been as interesting this week. There were some pretty wild upsets. Um, Bears... Decided to go on ahead and win again um, with their backup quarterback, who was a D2 quarterback, uh, actually playing really well. So they won 30-12 to against the Raiders. And I also Um, had uh, their backup to the backup running back, who was in street clothes uh, six weeks ago, um, who scored three touchdowns today. Picked him up on waiver wires. Was he on your bench or was he in the starting lineup? In my starting lineup. 31.1 points, my guy. Let's go. Um, let's see. The Browns beat the Colts. Who cares? Uh, this one was interesting and surprising. The Patriots. Yeah. Beat the Buffalo Bills. Scary for the Bills, I think. Um, yeah. I think I think that was way more of a shock to Buffalo than it was to for the Patriots that they that they won that game. Yeah. Um, I mean, Bill Belichick. I think he walks in thinking he's going to win every game, which is probably what's made him so great. Um, yeah. And his defense, it, it was a Belichick defense today. It shut down Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. So, uh, wow. Yeah, big uh, big win for the Patriots. Still hate them, but big win. Um, Giants beat the Commanders. Who cares? Falcons beat the Buccaneers in the Battle of the Mid. Uh, let's see. This one was very surprising to me. The Baltimore Ravens. Absolutely shit kick. <laughs> The Detroit Lions. After we had just made friends with our with a good buddy on Friday, that yeah. was a Detroit Lions Julius. fan, Julius, who will have on the pod with the when the Lions make the podcast or when when the Lions make the playoffs. Excuse me. Um, yeah, thirty eight to six, man. The Lions Oof. could not get it going. It that was an yeah. interesting one for sure. Yeah, the fighting Dan Campbell's um, <laughs> kind of shit the bed this week, but we still love Dan Campbell, so. I think we're a closet Lions fans podcast. Maybe, maybe eh, we'll get there. We're, maybe we're, we're big Dan Campbell guys. Yeah, let's just go. We'll, with that. we'll put we, it we there. We love Dan Campbell. <laughs> um, yeah, Steelers beat the Rams. The Rams are just stunningly mediocre ever since they won the Super Bowl. So I don't know what Sean McVay is doing anymore. Um, Seahawks beat the Cardinals. Packers. Lose to the Denver Broncos at mile high. Go Broncos. Big dub for the Broncos. Um, In the AFC West battle, the Kansas City Chiefs get back on their offensive game. 31-17 to against the Chargers. That does not give me a lot of hope going into next week. Patty Mahomes was vintage Patty Mahomes. And Travis Kelsey looks like the best tight end ever. Travis Kelsey looks like he will not be getting a song written about him. As he continues his streak of dominance, 
and dating With Taylor, Taylor Swift, Swift in the house. And dating, and dating Taylor Swift. And then in Sunday night football in the city of brotherly love, the Miami Dolphins were not feeling the love. They were not fresh. And the Philadelphia Eagles come out on top. 31-17. I love that, man. That was great. <laughs> you might do that more. I, I, that I would appreciate good. it. Little little Sunday rundown after the Sunday night game ends. Little do that for out of office bros. Yeah, start start your uh, Chris Berman impersonations. Love it. And for Monday night football, y'all. Uh, we got the 49ers versus the Vikings. You want to you give a little bonus pick for this game? Yeah, this one's interesting to me. Um, the Vikings a little bit on on a little bit of a win streak uh, after starting their season one and three. Um, are they, they are in Minnesota, correct? They um, are in Minnesota. Yeah, a very interesting one here. I think it's going to be close, uh, but I do think that the 49ers pull it out. We'll call it... 24 to 19. Ooh. Ooh. Lots of field goals. Lots of field goals on that Minnesota side. I I don't hate that pick. Um, you know, Kirky, your boy, one of your favorite quarterbacks. Kirky is second in the league going into tomorrow's game and passing. He's got six, yeah, almost 1,700 but, yards. But his best receiver just got put on IR and Justin Jefferson. So we'll see what Jordan Addison, um, TJ Hawkinson, uh, and the rest of that receiving core for the Minnesota Vikings do this week. Hawkinson's nice, though. Yeah. Hawkinson's nice. The Vikings yeah. are just a weird team this year, man. Yeah. I, I don't know what to make of them. They're an interesting one. And when your top player goes down like that, it uh you know, it definitely makes a big impact. But any other news that you'd like to bring up before we sign off for the evening? Uh no, no. Um shout out Dr. Dave. I know you, you very rarely listen to this, you asshole, but uh you finished your midterms this week. Yeah. In, in grad school. So congratulations, job, Dr. Dr. Dave. Dave. He was definitely uh definitely celebrating like it on Friday night when we saw him for his party. So right on everybody. Oh, yeah. Well thank you so much for giving us another listen on Out of Office Bros. We will be out of office again next Thursday uh with our Denver Broncos and CU Buffaloes preview. For immediate assistance, please reach out to us on Instagram, X, Spotify, and anywhere that you get your podcast. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe on all of our socials and tell your friends. Best. The out of office bros.